It's almost Halloween. Listeners may also observe the Celtic pagan festival Samhain. In order to celebrate the season, I'm speaking with horror expert Ali Doyle, who is calling in from Ireland to co-host this episode. Given the history of Halloween in Ireland, I think Ali is the perfect guest for this episode. She also works in film production. She and I are going to be spilling the syrup on what makes a great horror movie, a bad one, and the cultural significance of what the frightening and scary themes had on our popular culture. We are going to give you some great recommendations for your horror movie viewing pleasure. Ali, thanks so much for being on Spilling the Syrup. You have contributed to a few podcasts before, and I think it's fair to say that you will also bring a more feminist lens and a vision that pushes the envelope. Can you share with our syrup spillers what you do and what kind of horror you like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you, Ryan. I'm like super excited to be on your podcast. Like I listen to it. I was going to say I watch it, but like can't watch pods, but you can certainly listen. But anyway. Thanks. From my perspective, so I've been working in film for, I'm not going to admit how old I am because that's really scary. That's real horror. (laughs) I've been working in film for a long time. Currently, I am the head of development and production executive at Wild Atlantic Pictures, who are based here in Dublin in Ireland. The development process is basically from the seed of an idea to the finished script to the point of it being the shooting script. So basically from seedling to film or TV series that you see on your screen. Wow. Yeah. So it's the whole shebang. It's the whole process, which is great. I am hoping to move more into producing. So that's kind of like my trajectory right now, which is great. And producing horror films, (laughs) which is my passion. That's kind of what I'm doing at the minute or who I am. Like my name, I don't know if you can see this on the thing, but my name is Ali Har. So I've also been Ali Har since I was like in primary school. I don't know what that is in Canadian school years, but maybe like when you're six, seven. Yeah. The baby schools. My name has been Ali Har. That's very fitting. So what was your first horror movie that you saw? Was there like an inspiration? Good question. Did it scare you? Yes. So I am a bona fide insomniac and I credit that to my father scaring the shit out of me as a child. He didn't really have boundaries of what to show a child. (laughs) Whereas I was getting like R-rated and X-rated horror films. Okay, let me think about that. So let's distill the question. So what is the first horror movie that I saw that scared me or what is the first horror movie I saw? What started the passion for horror? Was it the first horror movie you saw? Did it come later on? You've been interested in horror since you were little. I guess it started before I can remember if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. Again, like I said, my dad was mad into horror. So he would collect horror comic books, like the EC horror comic books, the Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror. So I have the complete EC comic book at home in my apartment, which is one of my prized items if that's weird I can't remember what you call it yeah possessions possession (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I mean and I guess like in terms of horror films so the first kind of horror films that I remember the most vivid from my childhood would be Interview with the Vampire which I remember seeing on VHS because we used to have a region one VHS player, which meant that we could watch all of the movies from America and North America before they were even released in Ireland. So 
would be Interview with the Vampire, which definitely started my love of vampires. Pet Cemetery, which definitely caused my insomnia. And Candyman, which has probably given me a lifelong phobia of bathrooms. Just recently saw the new Candyman. It was quite good. Yes, I loved it. I absolutely, like I was so afraid going into it because obviously it was a remake and I was like, oh my God, is this going to be like, I mean, I think it's great obviously that um, we're using film and TV to kind of have political and societal messages to it. But sometimes there is a horror movie, which maybe we'll get into into later on. I don't want to start off by ranting, but sometimes the message can be at the forefront and you can forget that you're watching a horror film. Capital H horror, lowercase horror, have your scares, but also have your like real life horror. Do you know what I mean? And with the Candyman remake, I was really afraid that they were going to have nothing but lower H, which is just like real life political elevated genre in your face. Yeah. But actually they had capital H. It was fucking scary. Like it was terrifying. Like it had me on the edge of my seat and it had a really strong message to it. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it, I think, real life scary. And the horror of it is how it actually applies to our world, not in just a supernatural sense or a fantasy sense, but in an actual like societal sense. All those elements really do make it scary. I just watched a series on Disney Plus. It was called Just Beyond. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. It's quite scary for a kid's series. Interesting. Okay. Also, we are introducing it to a younger generation, as in like, here is the scary side of life. Here is death. Here is aliens. And I just think it's kind of funny, to be honest. That is acceptable. But then Love, Victor nearly never made it on Disney+. Plus. But anyways. Yeah, I mean, let's not get into the politics of Disney because we could literally go down a really deep, dark hole and probably get arrested. Yeah. (laughs) But like, I know with... So that's actually really interesting. That's something that we have been talking about a lot within our company. So... Obviously, you know, like we're all kind of fiends for for binge watching contents, specifically on VOD. And that's one thing that I have certainly noticed in the past, maybe say three, four years, is that YA content is no longer just contained to like, you know, previous like 11 to kind of 17 year olds. Like YA is a much wider kind of genre now. So it pretty much spans from maybe like the 13 range up until 45 (laughs) like you hear people like lock and key for example which is a netflix series yes touches on some very heavy themes it touches on grief touches on alcoholism you know sexuality like it has a lot of different themes going on in it but it's a it's it's a ya it's for a young audience and it's a horror like there's some really fucking horrifying moments in it so i think that's really really interesting and i'll definitely check that out i didn't know yeah so much on like it's hard to it's hard to catch everything but i'll definitely check it out yeah there is and i was fortunate enough i worked on the lock and key as a background performer so it's funny yeah funny that you mentioned the lock and key and i agree with you and everything that you said and talking about what's on now i want to touch on halloween kills a little bit so jamie lee curtis icon she's been doing this for many years she loves the fan base Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. And there was a little bit of controversy with the gay couple that died and people were talking about that. I was thinking of common tropes in horror movies like barrier gays. I think that's what it's called. But there's there's a few other ones and there's a few been 
criticisms of horror not being very diverse in its representation or perspective. What do you think about that? And can you comment on that at all? Well, so Halloween Kills has just come out here. So I haven't actually seen it yet. Okay. So I can't comment on the movie. I can agree with your comment that Jamie Lee Curtis is an all around fucking badass. I mean, her daughter just came out as trans, I believe. Yes. So there is, I mean, she's, she's a total icon in the LGBT community, I think, and the horror community, like just all around badass. But I think it's interesting because so definitely traditionally horror was all about, you know, tits and ass, like, like, you know, women. And it it obviously had a set of rules, you know, like if you had premarital sex, you were going to die. Like, you know, if you were black, you were going to die. If you were gay, you were going to die. Like, I mean, it had these these kind of kind of rules and tropes to it. And I think that but the thing about horror is, is that horror is able to, if you want to look at the subtext of a horror film, you can read into things like Jeepers Creepers. I know Owen and I talked about this before. Jeepers Creepers is like, or even let's go into someone yeah. like Clive Barker, Hellraiser. So Clive Barker is super proponent in the LGBT community, super proponent of BDSM community as well. And like, I mean, like all of his films are inherently explorations of his sexuality. And I don't think unless the layman isn't or lay person, excuse me, isn't going to look at Hellraiser and go, oh, yeah, that's all about him being gay. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's definitely ways in which film can really be pivotal in exploring that and getting that across to a mainstream audience. Exactly. And I think just to comment on that as well. I'm thinking of films that were super iconic for me. You mentioned Pet Cemetery earlier. That was definitely on my list of ones I wanted to mention. And just being like the whole lesson of you cannot bring somebody back from the dead. That's what I took from that movie. And I know what you did last summer. And then the sequel, I still know what you did last summer. And I remember seeing Brandy in that. And I just thought she was iconic in that role as well. And, you know, breaking the mold there, so to speak. So... I thought that was pretty iconic and you mentioned diversity. So I just wanted to comment on that as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I think film, like even if we take Candyman, for example, the original Candyman, which Clive Barker was obviously like, I love Clive Barker. (laughs) He's, He's great. Like, even if you take that film, while yes, by a 2021 standpoint, it's certainly problematic. I mean, pretty much anything from the past is problematic. Mm -hmm. But what that movie did was it had like, I mean, they went to the NAACP. Is that? Yeah, I said that right. The NAACP. Yeah. And they asked them and they were like, is this okay if we, you know, this is a black monster. Basically, this this man is a, is a black man and he's a monster and he's a killer and he's killing people. Is this okay? And like their response to this was, why wouldn't it be okay? Like he's a human. He's a man. The story is about black oppression. It's about the poverty line it's about the slums the ghettos in chicago and what that movie was really pivotal for was that it actually had represented what was happening in the united states in the african-american community at that time like there was poverty there was crime there was black on black hate because of what white systemic racism was pushing this community to do and while yes it was made by white people and yes the woman you know white savior hero the film was really important for its time and I think that's why Jordan Peele and Nia DaCosta did such an incredible job at like taking that along and taking that message because that's what the movie is it's kind of a sequel almost to that original movie and kind of you know 
just one one upping it like bringing it into a 2021 perspective throughout horror films you can definitely find ways in which horror films have expressed and explored diversity and not just fall in it like even scream for example scream totally makes fun of the fact that it's literally going through the rules of what a horror movie is you know like don't go into the you will die yeah <laughs> I think you make some very good points, one of them being for Candyman. And I don't want to give away, I guess, the end of it if anyone hasn't seen it. But even up till the very end of the remake and the scene with the police and that Mm -hmm. whole dynamic, I thought was really well done. And that really illustrated bringing that point home that this still exists. But I think you mentioned Scream and Ghostface being really popular on TikTok and being very like campy and being very vogue and doing like these dances. And that just makes my brain connect, you know, queer culture, queer cinema and Halloween and how these things all intersect now. And these all go really well together. Like look at Scream Queens. Have you seen that TV series? So good. Yep. Right. Amazing. It's so good. Like it totally goes hand in hand. I haven't, I must admit, I'm not a TikToker. I don't know anything about TikTok, but I would definitely check out Ghostface doing some Bogan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. It's hilarious. I want to switch gears slightly. I want to talk about what makes a bad horror film from your perspective. Bad story, bad characters, bottom line. If you don't have, again, coming from a development perspective, if you don't have a good story, probably it's not going to be great. <laughs> again, so there was a, a movie that I will now, I, I knew it was going to come up at some point, but the remake, the third remake of Black Christmas, I think oh, it was okay. the third, second remake. And there's been so many. There has. But the yeah. one that was out, I can't remember the director's name, but it starred Imogen Poots. And so I haven't read the script for that, but from what I've seen on screen, there was not much of a story. It was like basically a very kind of loose kind of, outline of what a story was going to be and the whole movie was driven purely by message and that to me is actually like in from a 2021 perspective that is what makes a bad horror movie because you know we're living in an age where we still have obviously our kind of bloom house we have our yes like our insidiouses our conjurings that kind of thing like and those there is an audience for those movies but people kind of go to see them on like a Friday night just for a date night they don't really take them seriously but then we have intellectual audience that wants to go see something and for it to mean something so like our Jordan Peele's Foster's, Ari Aster's Robert Iger's like these type of directors and yeah with this movie Black Christmas it forgot that it was a horror film because it was like I need to make this really like feminist message. And it was like, in your face, in your face, in your face, men are bad, men are bad, men are bad. Like even good men are bad. Even gay men are bad. All men are bad. Men are bad. And you were like, okay, but I'm watching a horror film. Where's the horror? I know men are bad, but not all sharks. Like, yes, we don't know which sharks are going to eat us, but like not all sharks. It totally forgot and it was just it was a drag because you were being preached at the whole time where on the flip side of that something like the invisible man which had this really strong message of domestic violence and abuse and it weaved it perfectly into the film so like you were watching this film and you were on the edge of your seat and at the same time you could very clearly get a sense of what the message is so I think that is one thing So obviously story characters, if they're not very good and message, 
if you're putting your message and your kind of your image of what people are going to assume your film is going to say, it's like an agenda piece. It's not a film, you know, and I think that really frustrates me in, in modern day horror. But then if we're also talking about like more general horror, I think if you see the monster too many times, yeah, that peeves me off a bit. Like, I mean, the more the less you see is kind of nice. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think you're totally right. I think you have to make content that your audience is going to like, not just maybe something that you're going to like. You can't try too hard, I think, either, I think is the lesson. Yeah, like, I mean, I think you need to, like, I think it is important, like, film and TV are really great vehicles for creating messages and for putting them out there and for educating people. At the end of the day, what I think a lot of people kind of have forgotten in recent years, film and TV are there to entertain. Bottom line, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it being a little bit goofy or, you know, like, yes, again, horror is a perfect genre in which to show let's look at something like Get Out or like Get Out actually perfect example of a horror film that again had a really strong clear message to it yeah the whole way through you were like I know this is telling me a message but I can't look away this is like riveting like this is like this is real life horror where something like the Black Christmas remake was like okay I get it yes I get the message but where's the horror like I am not scared there's nothing worse than watching a horror film and not being scared yeah, absolutely. And I think actually the latest Black Christmas, I remember watching it and thinking it was not even as good as one that I had seen previously, which is even more disappointing, I think. Yeah, those like those other Black Christmases, they're like schlock horrors. They're like B movies and they're great because they're just like they're just that type of horror. And like what the remake of Black Christmas was, was just, it was a message. It was, it was like you were sat in a cinema and you were being tweeted at incessantly. And you were like, I, okay. Like I came out of that cinema. I was actually angry at my time having been wasted because I was like, not only did you not scare me, you also didn't actually teach me anything new. You just told me your specific viewpoint. Like, okay, I get it. Yeah. My rant's over. <laughs> Nobody wants to be preached at. Mm-hmm. What I find bad is when you start seeing the holes in the plot or when the protagonist doesn't put up a fight and they defeat the evil entity so easily and then they didn't put up a fight. I'm like, this evil entity that's so powerful can do some do some shit like, and it just does nothing and it's just over. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Annabelle because I was listening to a podcast on Annabelle. Fascinating because... I watch it and I think, this isn't real. A doll that's possessed, that possesses other people, it doesn't quite work like that. And Ouija boards don't quite work like that. Whatever you believe, you can't accidentally summon a demon. However, people believed that creepy dolls would possess them and they were getting rid of them and they were throwing them out. So despite people not taking it seriously, Mm -hmm. people out there were like, oh no, I can't have that in my house, which I thought was really interesting. So that would lead me to the internet. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Because like, so interesting, just bringing this up, because I think it it relates to this. So have you heard of the phobia trypophobia? No. So trypophobia, so actually Ryan Murphy used it for, I think it was for the hotel, maybe, or apocalypse. It It was one of those. Okay. 
one of the posters for one of the American Horror Stories. Anyway, so trypophobia is basically this phobia, a fear of repetitive patterns. So it's mostly holes. So like even like say like I'm wearing like leopard prints, like some someone might get triggered by that. This is a good point to like maybe use an image for, <laughs> for trypophobia somewhere in this. This is a phobia that literally began in 2005 because of the internet. It is an internet created phobia. So it's basically, it started like someone was like, I'm afraid of this. Someone was like, oh, I'm afraid of this. And it was basically like an almost like a wildfire of hysteria of this creation of a phobia. And I think the same thing happens with horror films. I mean, let's go back to something like The Exorcist, where it was the 70s. We were still religious. We were, you know, like there was still so much that we hadn't kind of fully understood. Right. People genuinely believed that this could be a possibility because there was still stories kind of back then about exorcisms. But like, I think something like Annabelle or the Momo Challenge or Slenderman, like again, Slenderman was created, Creepypasta was created on the internet. Right. It's almost like this hysteria. It's like, well, maybe not hysteria, but it's like, okay, this is more believable because the internet says it's believable. And it's almost like this subconscious wanting to be part of that fear that fear factor so you're like yeah oh my god like I was always afraid of dolls and it was like oh were you only afraid of dolls like from last week yeah my dog just got let into me hey come join us for this conversation cute I wish everyone could see (laughs) oh yeah I forgot I'm sorry no I think you're absolutely right if it's ghosts and it's spirits and demons and hauntings, I want it to feel like this could actually theoretically maybe happen. That's what scares me the most. And when I start seeing things that completely made up, this is literally completely fantasy. And I, I know it. And I know, as you said, with the internet, these things come from, it takes me out of it a bit. And maybe that's just because I watch a lot of it or slasher when it's, I mean, when it's really gory and it's really bloody, I'm like, oh, You know, I didn't find the new Saw movie great. I have to give Chris Rock credit for the reboot. I didn't think the story was great, but I thought it was gory. I thought it was disgusting. The Spiral, was it? I hadn't seen it. Now, Saw series, I mean, is torture porn. Like, I mean, that's what it is. I personally don't really mind gore or or blood and guts. But like, I do agree with you kind of like when it's so far fetched and you're like, that couldn't possibly be real. Like something like The Skin I Live In, which isn't necessarily classed as a horror film. It's more like a drama. But I don't know if you've seen that movie. But Pedro Almodovar said that movie is actually terrifying because it's basically about a doctor whose daughter got um I believe she got raped and he kidnaps the guy who raped her and does plastic surgery on him to become the daughter basically so he transforms her into a woman oh my gosh from like a 2021 standpoint I mean that could be seen problematic by you know by the trans community but in this case that's not what it was trying to do it was basically a man who was who was driven by grief that he like and and I mean it gets it goes into some dark places like there's a sexual thing happening with the with the woman but it's more that the woman doesn't realize until maybe like the end of the third act that she was a he and that her life was not what she thinks it is she isn't his daughter she was this other man who did this to the daughter and it's just that moment that gut-wrenching moment when it's like the realization of yeah I'm not who I thought I was this isn't my body 
power taken away from him. And I think that's like something that's terrifying because that is totally possible. <laughs> like, I mean, totally possible. There's plastic surgeons out there. Who knows? It could totally happen. That's a really incredible film. Um, I would definitely watch it. Again, it's not necessarily like a horror, but I would classify it as a horror. Yeah. It's really unsettling. Yeah, that feeling of being unsettled is certainly something. That's one of the reasons why I watch it. I want to feel the adrenaline. Yeah. Oh, God, you will feel that in this in this movie. And like there's loads of movies like that where they're they don't rely on the supernatural. They rely on the human. And like, let's face it, like what's scarier than man or woman or person or whatever, whoever. I mean, again, that's like get out, isn't it? Yeah. What films should people watch this Halloween? Maybe someone that needs to ease their way in that might be a little bit scared. What would you recommend? Okay, well, Interview with the Vampire, because again, it's one of my favorites. It's not really scary. It's beautiful. It's a bit long, but um, it's got Brad Pitt. It's got Tom Cruise. It's got um, Kirsten Dunst. Again, Antonio Banderas. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that out too. Yeah. And it's uh, directed by Neil Jordan. He's an Irish director. The score is by Elliot Goldenthal. So it's a beautiful score. It's just a great, you know, vampire film. It doesn't kind of offend in any way. It's not scary. Like there's a couple of maybe like, oh, moments, but it's not really scary. The Lost Boys, another one. Incredible. A couple of great jump scares in there, I think. So for not really scary people, let me think. I mean, does horror comedy count? Yeah, it's big now too, I'd say. Yeah, so maybe things like Mel Brooks's uh, Young Frankenstein is one of my favorites. Also, uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It, also by Mel Brooks, is great. A TV show that I'm watching at the minute called The Midnight Mass. So Mike Flanagan is another person who I would say is actually quite accessible because he did the series The Haunting of Hill House scary and blind man yeah well okay let's not talk about blind manor let's pretend that doesn't exist but he did the haunting of hell house he did gerald's game which is another great kind of accessible horror so i'd say his stuff is pretty accessible and not too scary okay the others would be another one of my all-time favorite films like it's absolutely phenomenal and it's actually what is kind of what blind manor is based on okay that movie was also based on a movie called The Innocence with Deborah Kerr, which is out in the 50s, which is also an incredible. Do you know what? Maybe for people who are a bit scared, I would suggest to them maybe go back and watch some horror, Hammer Horror films, some Amicus films, early horror films. They're not scary by today's standards, but they are full of atmosphere and tension and incredible acting, incredible set design as well. Oh, I love set design because it gives you the whole mood and aesthetic. And to me, that's just an extension of what Halloween is all about, right? Totally. Like if you look at Roger Cor- like Roger Corman, people who are afraid of horror, Google Roger Corman and just watch everything that Roger Corman did with Vincent Price. That is like, you will still be scared, but you won't like quaking under your duvet. The set design in those movies as well is just incredible. Right. Which makes it exactly... What do you want to work on? What's your ideal horror movie that you would do right now? Like just some ideas that you would like to see in a movie. I'm not going to tell you my deep secret because then someone might take it. Ultimately, what I would love more than anything, like my goal in life is to make a horror film that has done what a lot of other horror films haven't done. Like, I mean, you can kind of look at maybe The Silence of the Lambs. Uh Uh-huh. 
yeah, sure, that's definitely hard, but I want to make like a ghost story or a vampire story that wins best movie that like scares. I want to recreate the fear that was created for people when they watch The Exorcist, and I want to scare the absolute bollocks off of people and win an Oscar in the process. Oh, yeah. I want to show that you can have the balance between horror and intelligence and elevated genre make something that is worthy of like something like Joker for example Joker you could kind of look at as a horror do you know what I mean like it's dark it's about mental health obviously mental health is one of my like big proponents in film and tv so whatever happens vampire ghosts it's going to be full of atmosphere it's going to be full of tone and it's going to delve into that very heavily I think into the psychological yeah and Joker definitely does that right I think the reason people hated on it so much is like Joker showed society what happens when society doesn't take care of its people with mental health issues and mental illnesses. And if you like laugh at somebody just because it's funny to you, like you've no idea what that person is going through. You've no idea if that person can't afford their medication anymore. It kind of shows a dirty side of mental health and like we create monsters. We create in the media, we create, you know, serial killers are infamous because the media puts them out there and we lock those headlines up. Absolutely. We give them that platform. I think that's something that people maybe weren't quite ready to uh, admit to themselves. No. <laughs> which, which is why they were trying to cancel the movie before it came out. The controversy, right, exactly. And just how to prepare for a role like that. And then then that's a conversation about acting at its finest as it's too real. Yeah. Like, I mean, what kind of depths do you have to go to 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 find that character? Do you know? Like, he deserved that Oscar. I'm sorry. (laughs) Cancel me if you want. But like, incredible performance from a mental health representation perspective. I think it was an important conversation piece that needed to be talked about. Yep. I can't believe that the time has gone by so fast. You have given people so much good information, so much good recommendations. Whatever projects that you come out with soon, I hope the world is going to see them in Ireland and outside because you're going to be very successful. I just know it. I hope so. I mean, I really want like, um, I'm just going to give a shout out to to Kate Dolan, um, who just had her feature film debut in Toronto at the Toronto International Film Festival. So uh, we are doing her next feature and I am going to be a producer on it. And that's I'm really excited about that. I want to like reverse back to your question a couple of minutes ago. What I want to do is I want to not only win an Oscar, but I want to like be a part of film history and I want to work with people that also want that. They'll want to like scare the world and like make changes in the world and make a difference in the world. True horror. I just want to like make the world a better place by scaring the shit out of people. Congratulations. That is so powerful. And that is so good. And we need that. We absolutely need this. (laughs) That is amazing. I think we do. We need to be scared into loving and not hating. That is true. Absolutely, we do. One movie at a time. Only on the screen. Only scared through the screen, not in real life. Yeah. In case people are like, oh my God, she's like, psycho. (laughs) No, this is just escapism, everybody. Exactly. It's entertainment. Learn from what you see on screen. It's what we've been doing our whole lives. So let's like put it to good use. If it all seems too much, maybe you can just find your favorite person or teddy bear to cuddle with. A dog. A dog, yeah. 
Thank you to the new followers and loyal listeners who have followed the Spill and the Serp Instagram page. And if you liked this episode, I encourage you to give that a follow. And if you liked this episode and want more Spill and please subscribe to the podcast. Ali, thanks so much for being a guest and happy Halloween and goodbye. 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 Never say goodbye because you won't come back. So see you later. (laughs) Happy Halloween.